Thanks for being here this morning. If you have a Bible, you can look in the Pew Bible. If you turn to Isaiah chapter 40, Isaiah chapter 40, and we're going to read verses 1 through 11, Isaiah chapter 40. It says this, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry, and I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Let's pray. Holy Father, God, thanks for your word. Thanks for the comfort of your word. And this morning, God, I pray that you would comfort us. That you would comfort us with the truth of your word and Holy Spirit. That you would guide us. That you would teach us. Pray that you would remove distractions from us so we could hear from you. And Lord, I pray that you would just speak, that we would be healed by hearing your word this morning. Lord, thanks for your grace on us. And Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Last week we started Advent and we said that it is, it's, it's complicated and we not, every churches do it differently, but it's a reminder to, as we look forward to uh, Christmas, but it's also an anticipation of Jesus' coming back. And in all of that, it can get complicated for many reasons, but what often gets complicated for us in waiting for Jesus and anticipating his return is we can get very complicated in the waiting for it. In 1944, Hiro Anandu was sent by Japan to a little island in the Philippines and they said, go and stay there and till the end. Don't, don't give up. Six months later, 1945, World War II ended. This is a true story. And he never heard about it. And so he stayed in this little island in the Philippines for, for years. And every once in a while, he'd come out and do a raid on people. And then he'd come back in and he thought the war was still going uh, they would send little leaflets, would, would drop over his little island in the Philippines, and he would get them, and they would say, it's over, come home, and he would read them and say, no, they, he would, he, this, is, this was propaganda, um, and so he would not believe it, and so for 29 years, 
he stayed in this little island in the Philippines thinking the war was happening until in 1974, they finally sent a group of people, his brother and his commanding officer from 1944 with loudspeakers, and they found out where he was at and said, you can come home, the, the war is over, and he finally came out. 29 years of waiting for a war to get over that was over. Waiting can get unbelievably complicated. And how we anticipate what Christ is doing and, and our waiting, how do we deal with the already that Jesus Christ has come, but the not yet, that it's not everything that he said? How do we deal with that? How, how do we wait in what is trusting expectation? How do we wait in that trusting expectation that what God says is true? Jesus has come, and he will come again and make all things right. But the waiting and trusting expectation, that's the hard part. That's the complicated path to navigate. That's where it can be really hard sometimes for us to find comfort. But here, because the concern is this. When we go through our situations, we ask ourselves, will God come through on this one? As I'm, as I'm waiting, will God really come through? Can God come through in this situation? Many of us don't, don't have, this, have the idea and have no problem believing that God could come through and take care of our situations. But the question many people struggle with is, will he come through? Will God come through this time for us? And we struggle with the waiting and waiting gets complicated because as we're going through situations, we say, is God going to deal with it this time? Will he come through? Or have I exhausted his patience? And he's just going to let me deal with this on my own. Or I've dragged my feet so long in something that he was prodding me to do that he, he's not going to bless me through this process. Or I, I just keep going back on my promises. I say I'm, I'm all in for God, and I'm going to do what he wants me to do, and then I, then I back out. So is he really going to come through now? Or I just can't see the process, how he's going to work this out. It just seems too overwhelming. I just don't see how he's going to figure it out this time. Or we say I've crossed the point of no return. God's not going to bless me like he has promised. How, how the, do we wait? How do we wait in trusting expectation? How do we do that as we go through this season? The way we're going to do it this morning is we're going to look how God taught his people thousands of years ago who were in that exact same situation, who were told to wait with expectation, had been given all the promises, but they just didn't see how God was going to be able to work it out. That's what, what it says in Romans that Renee read, what was what was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through the endurance and the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. And the people of God in the time of Isaiah, especially in Isaiah chapter 40, are people who were waiting in anticipation and they had no idea that God or how God was able to work this situation out. The book of Isaiah is 66 book, verse chapters long. It's complicated. It, it can be easily to get lost in what's going on. But don't give up reading the book of Isaiah. It's unbelievably helpful to us. One of the greatest chapters in the Bible is Isaiah chapter 40. And God comes to his people 
And the first thing we need want to do in this situation is just consider the complexity of the people of God in this situation. Isaiah chapter 40 starts a new section in the, chapter, in the books of Isaiah where Isaiah the prophet, he kind of sees an advance. The people of God had just been, they are told at the end of 39 that they're gonna be put into captivity. Hezekiah the king, who was a good king, he was sick, he prayed for 15 more years, God gave him 15 more years, and in those 15 more years, he did things that weren't the way, things that he should have done. And at the end of Isaiah 39, it's, Hezekiah is told by Isaiah, that the people of God are going to be taken away into captivity and Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. And then Isaiah 40 comes out and this picture of Isaiah seeing ahead hundreds of years forward to the time when the people of God have been in captivity and feeling like all that we had hoped for, all the promises of God are not true. It is hard for us to imagine what it would have been like to be an Israelite in that time. All through Scripture, they've been given these promises. They were the called-out people of God. They've been been called out by God. They were were delivered by Moses. They had all these promises. Jerusalem had been built. The temple had been built. They, they, They were waiting for this Messiah that they'd heard of and had been hinted for. And then in 586 B.C., Babylon comes in and sacks the entire city of Jerusalem. Jeremiah 52 says that the bodyguard of the king entered Jerusalem and he burned the house of the Lord and the king's house and all the houses of Jerusalem. Every great house he burned down. We we have no picture even to imagine what it would be like. If you were around and can remember 9-11, when two towers in New York were burning, and the fear that we felt as Americans and the shock of it, that was minuscule compared to what the people of God felt when their entire city, the temple of God, all of it was just burned down, especially after they'd been told by God, you're my chosen people, here's all these promises. It was unbelievably complex. It was a difficult scene. It was hard to understand. And even as Isaiah talks about it, he is looking forward. It's as he's prophetically seeing this hundreds of years in advance before his time, speaking to the people who were in that situation, waiting to be let out. And how are they going to deal with it? And what are they struggling with? What would they feel? All these promises of God, now it seems like they're, they never are going to happen. It's vanished. It's, it's all gone. Can God be trusted? Will God get us out of this? Can God get us out of this? And then on the, the prophecy of Isaiah 40, God's words first, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. If your city's sacked, if your temple's destroyed, if everything's burning, what would you be struggling with? Deep discouragement. Deep disappointment. Has God abandoned us? Has God left us? This is what the people of God are dealing with. Massive depression. Massive disappointment. Wondering if any of the promises of God will ever ring true. But what they hear first is the sound of the voice 
of God, and it's comfort, comfort my people. Really, it's keep saying, God's saying to Isaiah, keep telling my people that I'm giving them comfort. And it's not just counseling. It's not just a bad thing happened and God's going to come over and console them and make them feel good. It was a tough day. I, I realize the temple's burning. It was rough. That's not what this comfort means. That's how we take comfort now. The comfort that he was talking about, it is consoling them, but it's also this, this courage. And God's saying, give them, keep giving them encouragement. Keep strengthening them. Give them hope. Give them encouragement. Comfort them. Comfort them, my people, God says. Keep saying it to his. Because it was very complex. It was very difficult. It was overwhelming. And they were told to keep waiting with expectation that God that you believe in is true. But the voice of God comes in and it says this, God is not limited by the realities of a situation. God is not limited by the realities of a situation in your life. When he came to Mary and he said, the angel said to Mary, you're going to have a child. And Mary was like, how is this going to happen? And the angel said to Mary, nothing is impossible with God. When we look at this scene, you, you have to consider the absolute complexity of it, what these people would feel like, and then just take it into your own life and how you even felt maybe this week. The absolute complexity of how you're looking at your life situation and wondering, how is God going to work this out? How are these details going to be accomplished? Is he going to come through this time? Will he come through this time? And God's answer to that is to hear the correct voices. Because when you start to feel those things, when, when things aren't maybe going the way you had hoped, what rushes into our heads and our hearts is all kinds of voices. All kinds of thoughts rise up that, they, that want to be heard. They would say, see, it's not worth it. God isn't for you. He's against you. And all these voices rise up. But in the midst of the complexity, what we need to do is hear the correct voices. And Isaiah's prophecy is comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly. Speak to the heart of people is what God says. And then he gives three voices. He talks about three voices that are supposed to cry out to them. He says in verse 3 and then in verse uh, 9, these voices cry out. And it says a voice cries in verse 3. In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight his paths in the desert, a highway for our God. The first voice we need to hear when we're trying to figure out how to wait with anticipation on God, we need to hear the voice that says and reminds us that God is coming to you. Does this verse sound familiar at all? In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Is there anybody you can think of in the New Testament who said that very same thing? Thousands of years later, John the Baptist, out in the wilderness, cried out to the people, make straight, prepare the way of the Lord. There was this hint, this little hint in Isaiah, there's more to come. And when the people of God who knew the Old Testament so well, when John the Baptist came on the scene, and, and they, they had waited and waited and waited from God. And for four, also after this 400 years of silence from God, no prophet spoke. And then all of a sudden, John the Baptist pop, pops up on the scene. and He's in the wilderness and he screams out, prepare the way of the Lord. Those people instantly knew that that's Isaiah. 
There's hope for us. God is not done with us yet. God is coming to us, and he came to them even in the midst of the wilderness. John was in the wilderness. And then it says in verse five, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. God is coming to you is a voice you need to hear. God is coming very close to you. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed in greater ways than the people of God could ever imagine. Greater than the temple, greater than Jerusalem. God was going to come very close. The glory of God was going to be revealed. It was going to be revealed in Christ. God taking on human flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. And things were going to change. The the, the, the flesh shall see it. The mouth of God shall speak. God was going to come very close. But notice how he was going to come. It says, in the wilderness prepare a way, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Which means prepare. It's, it's, this, is, this is almost a prepare yourself. If you know someone's coming, prepare, clean up. It's a call to repentance. Turn to God in repentance. This says, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Why do we need a highway for our God? Not because we have to make ourselves clean and go to God. We do, we repeat, this says make straight a highway for God because God is coming to you. He's coming to where we are. And when it talks about mountains being smoothed out and difficult things being made straight, well, what he's talking about is not just geography. He's talking about the hearts of us and people. Ray Ortland Jr. said it this way. He's talking about depression being relieved, pride being flattened, Troubled personalities being placid and difficult people becoming easy to get along with. Because God comes in and he changes things. And the voice we need when we're waiting is to remember that God's coming and has come to us. And that God comes to you in your mess. He doesn't say clean yourself up, work really hard, and try to come to me. And the third voice is verses six through eight. It says, a voice says, cry. What shall I cry? There's this odd thing. It says, cry, all flesh is grass. And and it's going to go away. The grass withers, the flower fades. When, When the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. How is that at all comforting to us? Or how would that have been comforting to the people of God who had just been in captivity? Everything destroyed. Everything changed. Babylon was the big ruler. And God says, here's the voice you need to hear. All flesh is grass. And when the Lord blows on it, it's gone. They would have thought that that's, that's Babylon. Our greatest enemy, our greatest obstacle to God is nothing. When he blows on it, it's just going to be gone. The things that have oppressed us forever are going to be gone. And then he says, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. The voice you need to hear when you're waiting and when you're wondering, will God come through? You need to hear that God will carry you. 
It's his word that will stand forever. It's the promises of God. Isaiah 40 is filled with the promises of God. If you don't know where to find the promises of God in the Old Testament, just take Isaiah 40 and just read it this week and read it and read it. Or take Romans chapter 8 and read it and read it and then pray and ask God to give you the strength that he's going to carry you on. And when you pray, when you're struggling and you don't know how God's going to work in a situation and you say, I, I've been praying. I mean, I've, I've prayed and I've prayed. I'm not, I'm not hearing anything. I, I try to listen to God. I'm not hearing anything. Remember two things with prayer. One is when you pray, listen. But also when you pray, when you are waiting in anticipation, hoping for God to do, you, you gotta, God says pour out your heart to him as well. Psalm 62.8 says, trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. So when you're waiting in anticipation, trying to figure out what God's doing, you're saying, I'm praying, it doesn't seem like I'm, nothing's happening. Well, keep asking, but also don't forget to tell God how you're feeling. It, it, it just pour out your heart to him. Pour in scripture, pour out your heart to God, and keep pouring in scripture. Because it's, it's all grace. What God is telling the people of God and he's telling us is this, is this is how God feels towards his people when they wonder if he's gonna intervene. He says comfort, comfort. Receive it personally and receive it persistently because he says go up on the high mountain and the highest place you can it and announce it. And he says, oh, Jerusalem, herald of good news, lift it up and fear not. Fear not. Persistently go after these promises of God. Oh, there's over 300 and sometimes God has told people to fear not, fear not in the Bible. Why does he have to keep telling us that? Because we constantly fear. He'll get us through one situation and then another situation and thinks, I don't know if God's going to get us, me through this one. How's he going to do it this time? Will he want to do it? This time? But the voice we got to hear is God's come to you. God's come very close to you. God will carry you. Personally receive it. Persistently go after it. And then proclaim it to the people. And the good news then is just to keep holding on to the good news. It says in the end of verse 9, Behold our God. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, behold, his reward is with him, his recompense before him. Three times it says, Behold, behold, behold. What we are called to do while we are waiting is just to keep holding on to the good news. Behold our God. This is where that song, Behold our God, comes from. Who has held the oceans in his hands? Who has numbered every grain of sand? Kings and nations tremble at his voice. All creation rises to rejoice. Behold our God seated on his throne. Come, let us adore him. Behold our king. Nothing can compare. Come, let us behold him. Well, you're waiting and you're wondering what's God doing in my life and what's the circumstances are and what I'm supposed to do and what's the direction to go and it doesn't seem like God might come through. The question is, will, does God want to come through for you? Yes, he does. 
Will God come through for you? Yes, he will, because of what Isaiah 40 says. And as we behold God, we have to absorb it. We just have to keep absorbing it and allowing it to carry us, because it says he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He'll carry them into his bosoms. Someone said, God is not ashamed of the lowliness of human beings. God marches right in. He chooses people as his instruments and performs his wonders where one would least expect them. God is near to lowliness. He loves the lost, the neglected, the unseemly, the excluded, the weak, and the broken. If you feel even an inkling of any of those things, God says, I'm I'm right here. That's who I'm coming for. That's who I comfort. That's who I care for. Allow me to carry you. I'm the good shepherd who goes and finds the lost sheep and brings him in. And we just keep anchoring by faith to the comfort of that good news and we herald it. The reality is God is very disruptive. He disrupted what the people of God thought would take place. He disrupted what the Babylon thought would take place. This is what God does. He comes in, he's very disruptive. But in that disruption, it gives us great grace and great comfort while we are waiting because we know that Christ has come. You know where there's not a lot of comfort sometimes and not a very spectacular place to be? is a funeral home filled with stark things, plastic flowers, weird smells. It can be hard to get comfort. When my dad died a number of years ago, Jared was, I think, four. And for the first time, we walked in as a family, all of us together, to walk into a funeral to, to see the casket for the first time. If you've been there, it's, a, it's an odd thing. We, we walked in. Nobody knows what to say. Nobody knows what to say. I can do 50 funerals and still not know what to say when I walk in at someone's death. Nobody knows what to say. You walk into the room. We're all there. You're not sure what to do. But Aunt Jared was four. He w- runs down the middle of the aisle. And he says... Is this heaven? And we all laughed. And all of us together got this comfort. Because the answer to that question is no, that's not heaven. Because, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And even so, though through Jesus God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. God's disruptive. He comes in and he gives us comfort in our waiting. And as we keep waiting and trusting, the answer to every situation that you're dealing with, is this the end? No. Because in Christ, there is an eternal hope that will happen. Heaven is waiting the good news, if you're a Christian, you're not going to hell. There is 
hope for you. And Jesus' body was broken on the cross for you. And this morning, the struggle of waiting, God says to us, is comfort, comfort, comfort. Hear my voice. Come to me, and I will hold you up.